So for the last few months, in a number of different ways, we've been inviting and challenging one another to step into, to have a real, meaningful, personal, worshipful encounter, experience, relationship with the one who made you and loves you. Uh, we've been reminded a few months ago that we we're made in the image of God. Uh, we spent some time inviting one another to worship with our whole selves. We've encouraged one another to pursue a vital faith, actively pursuing a relationship with God who's pursuing a relationship with us, one who knows us and wants to be known by us. These are the things that we have spent the last few months uh, talking about. Uh, but sometimes something gets in the way of being able to do that, right? Uh, there are hurdles or barriers or roadblocks or whatever you want to call them that prevent us from having like a real good, meaningful, authentic relationship with God. And we wanted to take some time here in November-ish uh, to talk about those things. Um, technically, today, we are going to be looking at two, uh, but really, we're just going to be talking about one of the biggest barriers uh, that I think maybe I'm not alone in struggling with, and that is shame. Uh, technically, we're talking about guilt and shame, uh, which for me kind of always get lumped together, uh, though technically, I think that they are two different things. Maybe a rough and ready definition, if it's helpful, is that uh, guilt is like the negative emotion that we experience around something that we have done. Shame has more to do with who we are. So guilt says, I did a bad thing. Shame says, therefore, I am a bad person. And I am great at shame. I am an expert at it uh, and have been practicing most of my entire life. Um, it is hard for me to differentiate feeling like I failed without feeling like a failure, right? Uh, it's hard for me, like if I have a moment where I don't parent well, uh, I don't bring my best self to a moment that is highly stressful. Um, I am quick to say, I, I am actually, I am a bad parent. Uh, I never call my family enough, um, particularly my parents. It's very easy for me to just call myself like a, a bad son, um, when I was a kid, if I didn't do well on a test, I'm a bad student. Um, nowadays, if I can't run the same pace as I did as a teenager, I'm probably dying. So I might as well enjoy my last meal. It's a filet biscuit combo from Bojangles. So uh, months ago, months ago, um, when we started talking about this series uh, and kind of laying some of it out, uh, and we called the series, You Are Loved, I said, Bleh. like, can we not do that? I don't want to do this. I think it's a bad idea. At the end of the day, I was convinced that it was the right idea, but I'm just going to say the only thing worse than struggling with your shame every single day of your life is spending 15 minutes talking about it with 1,200 of your closest friends and then making sure it's on YouTube for all of eternity because that doesn't seem like it's going to make shame any worse at all, ever. I've been very grateful in my uh, adult life uh, for the work of Brene Brown. If you don't know her, I'd encourage you to check it out. Look her up. Uh, she's got a lot of great like TED Talks, things like that online. Um, uh, I came into an awareness of, uh, of her work probably about 10 years ago. She does evidence-based science work, science stuff. Um, but I, I love the way that she comes at it. Uh, she comes at it, I think, from a good place, like a place of faith. In fact, if I recall correctly, uh, one of the words that she uses a lot um, is uh, wholehearted, which she heard uh, during communion and worship one day. Um, and so she talks a lot about shame, a lot about vulnerability and authenticity. And uh, her, her work has been a great gift to me in my own journey of faith and in my life um, and relationships. Um, 
She says uh, at one point that shame is derived from this complex web of unattainable and conflicting expectations about who I am supposed to be. And when the real me doesn't line up with these expectations um, that we feel we experience shame. Um, and uh, one of the things that uh, I learned from her that has been uh, I sort of like immediately recognized as true and has been super helpful. She talks about like what we do, like what our response to feeling that disconnect is. Um, and when we feel shame, uh, we tend to try and cover that over. So we feel shame. We, we talk about like metaphorically, like we put on a mask or a, a false self. Um, we try to be the person that we think other people want us to be so that at the end of the day, we can be loved or accepted or belong to a person or to a group of people. And she says that um, the outcome of that is often worse than if we had been rejected for just showing up as our true selves. Because what happens is, People do tend to like the people we project ourselves to be. So we become loved. We start to belong. We are accepted by others. But we know in the back of our mind that they, what people are loving or accepting is actually a false version of ourselves. And then we say this thing in the back of our minds. And some people have ascribed like a name to, to their version of this self-talk. Uh, I guess mine's name's just Owen. But uh, we hear ourselves say, but if they knew the real me, then I wouldn't be loved or accepted or belong. And that right there does a lot of stuff to us. It does a lot of stuff to us. It's like really harmful to our emotional self. Um, I think when I first heard her say it or read her say it uh, in the gifts of imperfection, like I could immediately recognize, I could see that at work in my own life. And, and I feel like I, even before I ran into her stuff, like I've been on this journey of like how to be a more fully authentic person. Um, and, but I could just, I could just, I could just see it. I could just see it. Um, when we experience that kind of reality, it tends to separate us from the people that we're trying to belong to. Like it creates gaps between us and the people that we love or who love us. Uh, and I also recognized pretty clearly uh, as a pastor at the time, like just how much that can also impact someone's ability to be in a, in a real vital relationship of faith uh, with God through Jesus Christ. Because like as much as we might be able to fake ourselves to people in our everyday, ordinary walking around lives, like we know God sees our true selves. Uh, and so um, like it's, it just makes us like it's a, it's a barrier. It's a hurdle. Shame prevents us. Uh, it creates a lot of distance, prevents us from showing up authentically uh, before the one who, who made us. Um, I have learned I have learned kind of in the midst of my expert shameness uh, that how people talk to me when I'm in that place, like how people show up for me when I'm in a, in a place of shame is it like, this really matters. It really matters. Um, when I'm honest with people uh, that I'm experiencing shame in a particular moment, like when I allow myself to be vulnerable, the worst thing that people can do is to try and be encouraging. And when you say to someone, like, I really feel like a failure right now. I really feel like a bad son. I really feel like a bad parent. Automatically, people will be like, no, 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 no. You're not a failure. You're a great dad. You're a wonderful son, I bet. Like, people say things because they want to be helpful. They want to be encouraging. What I really just need people to do is to say, like, oh, gosh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> like, I need them to let me own my own junk. And then I need them to remind me that they're not actually going anywhere. That even if I show up as my true self, 
uh, that they're going to stick it out with me, right? One of the things that uh, Brene Brown says that that may be helpful is um, she says that the antidote to shame is empathy. Um, uh, like, I know that too. Like, I know what that's like. I can imagine how that must feel. Um, the power of people being able to say, yeah, like I hear you. She says me too. So this is back in 2012, but, um, she says that even that small phrase, me too, has the power to interrupt the shame spiral that sometimes we get in, right? Like when, um, I talk about like my shame meter is ticking up. Like if I were to say to someone, like, I really feel like a failure right now. And they're like, no, good stuff probably came out of that. Bloop, 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 bloop. Like I can feel my shame level rising, right? Uh, they say like, and I wasted so much time. I should have been spending that with my kids. No, your kids, they understand that you've got more important things to do than them. They're not going to hold that against you or talk about you later in there. Boo, 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 boo. Like I just, you know, feel it ratcheting all the way up over and over again. And, and honestly, one of the worst things that I feel like people can say to me when I'm in that moment, when I'm in one of those shame spirals, and I say like, I can't be everything to everyone. I'm trying. I just can't meet all these expectations that everybody have for me. Well, God loves you in spite of all that. I mean, that just sets it off. Then I have to go for a run just to try to like get it all out, process it all out. And then I'm slow. So then I just bow size, whatever shame I've got. Like it's just, it's not, it's not helpful. It's not helpful to me. Um, it makes me feel like I have to pretend that what I'm actually experiencing or dealing with is, is not legitimate or valid. Um, and, and it doesn't help. It doesn't help. I just need to know that people hear what I'm saying and they're going to stick, stick it out with me uh, regardless of that. So uh, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you that God loves you while we're together today. Uh, instead, I would love to read you just one sentence of scripture. Uh, it comes from Genesis chapter three and it's verse 21. And it says this, and the Lord God made garments of skins for the man and for his wife and clothed them. That is a random passage of scripture to read, I know, but I want you to hear me out. It's interesting to me that here we find God making clothes for Adam and Eve because seven verses, the 14 verses in verse seven, 14 verses before this one, um, Adam and Eve make clothes for themselves, and it is evidence of their shame. Uh, back in the good old days in the garden, um, there was no separation between God and human. There was no separation from human to human. Everyone showed up authentically with one another, and there was no separation between what was and what should be because everything was as it ought to be. Sometimes around here, we call that shalom or toviness, right? Um, but Adam and Eve had been given one rule by God. And they broke that rule uh, and they started feeling guilt because of the thing that they had done. But they let that guilt sink down into that place that we called shame. When things were good, things were all together. It said that the man and woman were naked and they were not ashamed. As soon as they break that rule, it says that in verse seven, that their eyes were open and they recognized that they had something to cover up. And so they made themselves close so that they could present a better version of themselves to one another. And that created separation between Adam and Eve, between spouses, right? And it creates separation between humanity and God. God comes strolling through the garden in the cool of the afternoon, calling out for Adam and Eve, and they are hiding behind the ficus, right? Um, they are, they don't want to be seen, right? It's created separation between them, separation between them and God, because what is and, and what should be are now also separated. 
And in that separation, we always find shame between like our aspirational self, like what ought to be and what really is. Like if they knew the real me, that's where shame always exists. And we see Adam and Eve kind of get locked in the middle of that shame. Now, in between that passage and the passage that I read to you just a second ago, God sort of lays out what the consequences of their choices and decisions are. And you and I both know, because we live in the real world, that there are consequences to every choice and every decision that we make. Um, and they need to understand their consequences, right? Uh, and one of those consequences is that they can no longer stay in the garden where everything is held together, right? And even there, right, as soon as all those things are kind of laid out, in between learning what those consequences are and those consequences coming to be, uh, we see God in this like really kind of beautiful and tender moment show up for Adam and Eve and give them exactly what they need to move forward. Despite the brokenness, despite, despite the separation that now exists, we see God moving first towards Adam and Eve in the place of their shame. The clothes that God stitched together for them were evidence of God's mercy and God's grace. Even there, even then, God met them in their shame and gave them what they needed. It's not hard for me to hear this passage uh, or read this passage and hear echoes later in the New Testament in Galatians. It says that those who have been baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ and are therefore a new creation. Everything that had been separated by the choices that we make gets, starts getting reunified and brought back together. We are all one in Christ Jesus, our Lord, it goes on to say. This idea that we will be clothed with Christ, I think, is a reflection of maybe just this exact sort of moment. Once, through the sacrifice of an animal, God provided us the clothes that we needed to live life outside the garden. And now, through a greater sacrifice, through the sacrifice of Jesus, we are clothed in Christ. And that welcomes us back into that perfect relationship with God, undoing all the separations that shame has laid bare. When I read this passage about God stitching clothes together and giving them what they needed for life outside the garden, I see God showing up in the midst of their shame and saying, I'm going to be with you anyway. And I know that that's what I need. I need someone to sit with me while I wrestle in the pit of my shame spiral. I just need to know that they're going to hang with me. And I need to sit there in that place long enough to remember that God can and God does still love me and it's not going anywhere. So today, in this moment, I'm not going to tell you that God loves you. What I am going to tell you is that this world, my world, is full of a lot of complex, unattainable, and often conflicting expectations that I cannot live into. I can't live into them when I try. I probably couldn't live into them even on my best days. And I wrestle with shame in my own way, not yours, but in my own way, and often poorly every single day of my life. And in spite of all that, I really do believe that God loves me. And that, that my shame doesn't need to create space between me and God, between me and the ones I love and those who love me, and that I don't have to get all my junk together as a prerequisite for God's love. Even when it's hard to hold on to, I know that I am a beloved child of God. And I will be praying for you, 
hoping that one day, even if it's not now, you can say, me too. Amen. Well, it's been great to worship with you together during this time. Uh, We'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship in person or online, live on Sunday mornings or throughout the week. You can find more information about our worship times or worship with us online at fvumc.org. And while you're there, uh, you can find plenty of ways to connect with us, uh, whether that's uh, connecting in for an opportunity for community around here or serving the greater Fuquay community around us. Uh, So we'd love to invite you to join us for those. Uh, If this is a resource that provides you spiritual sustenance and you'd like to partner with us in making it possible for everyone else, while you're there, the top right-hand corner, there's a button that says give, or you can go to fvumc.org slash give and make a gift there that makes the mission and ministry of this place possible. We're so thankful for everyone who partners with us uh, to do just that. Listen, it's been great. It's been great to be together with you uh, in this moment, and we look forward to worshiping again with you real soon. We'll see you then.